Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Jerry Taylor. I've not seen you for a few weeks, Jerry. How are you? I've missed you, big man. I missed Aye. you. I know. I was just uh, saying, yeah, I had to take two laptops just in case something went wrong and I had to jump on and I bought a mic and all that. I'm just, and the missus is like, you're meant to be on holiday. But you, <laughs> you never go on holiday when it comes to Celtic, do you? You don't. You don't. Celtic's there forever. They're forever. They've got me through the past couple of weeks. Celtic's always going to be there, that's the thing. You know this this big thing about um, supporting a football club and you hear all the different um, slogans and all the, you know, a lot of the time they're looked upon as being merchandise ideas. Uh, you know, a club like no other, born into Celtic, the fans, you know, the, the football without fans is nothing. And it gets to the point where they become cliched, Jerry. but see when it comes down to it, right, the impact that this football club has on guys like you and me and people listening in is unreal. And I remember... Um, when I first decided to write a book, you think to yourself, well, I'm not really worthy of doing that because there's much greater Celtic supporters than me who have seen a lot more than I have and know a lot more than I do. Um, and then you start meeting them. So one of the experiences I had just recently was um, I went to kind of like a, a local wedding. So it was a, a wedding involving two people for the, well, one of them certainly from the villages. And I was meeting some of the old school. And these are people that have been going to Celtic Park for 50 years and we were talking to them about that pandemic here and how it affected them, Jerry. You know, not having that part of their life available to them to jump on the bus, go through to Glasgow, watch the game, enjoy a few bevies. It becomes so ingrained in you. And we get a tiny wee insight into that in the pre-season, don't we? Because you're just thinking, right, come on, who's signing today? But <laughs> there's plenty of good to talk about today before we do that, though. Um, tell me a wee bit about that T-shirt you've got. Can you read what it says? Do you want to see my ninja in disguise or my, my ninja, ninja disguise? disguise <laughs> we need a Celtic version of that. We need <laughs> a Celtic version. In fact, oh, Mika Lustig. Mika Lustig. Remember, he did it against Rangers. He scores. That's right. That's right. right. There's a merchandise idea. There we go. He did. It's moments that you remember. And um, when I'm talking to Alan Morrison, who appears 
every second Friday on a Celtic, uh, every second Friday of the month on a Celtic state of mind. Um, you know, he looks at figures and data and, and analyzes it that way. Whereas I think a lot of other fans, it's just moments you remember. And that's why we can watch a game and say, oh, he had a good game because you're just remembering specific moments. He might have only had the ball four or five times. And um, that's the way I enjoy watching football. The analytical side, I think, would pull a lot of the enjoyment out of it. Uh, but one of the, the people I think that I just watch with my observer's hat on is uh, Dyson Maeda. And what I, I see from him since he came to Celtic um, has been a player that, you know, you've got to say he's probably the hardest working player in the squad. Um, his work rate, the miles that he runs in a game must exceed just about anybody I've ever seen in a Celtic jersey. And then yesterday we get the fantastic news, Jerry, that he signed. Like his um, compatriot, um, Kyogo, he signed a four-year deal. Um, and basically, he, he washes away any doubts that there was going to be this exodus, this mass exodus that was going to follow Ange Postecoglou out the door. And I've got to admit, I was quite worried about both of those players because there had been interest in them. Um, how big an impact was that? How positive was that to get that news yesterday? Oh, mate, I was over the moon. I've been on record on here a, a couple of times just being a big fanboy uh, with Dyson Maida. Uh, I think I'm on record saying he would chase an empty Chris poke. He is, for me, a workhorse. A lot of people will say that there's bits of his game that he maybe needs to brush up on, maybe a bit of finishing. Um but I think Brendan Rodgers is going to work wonders with him. I actually thought that he would be one of the first of the Japanese boys to go. I thought he'd have been in huge demand because there'd be a lot of teams that would want that drive, uh, that work rate. But he never gives up, does he? Even if he's having a bad game, he's always there. He's always there showing for the ball, just working, working, working. I am absolutely delighted that we've got the two of them over the line. Um, kind of feel like new signings. It's a strange one, isn't it? Just to get them tied down on those deals again and Hopefully they're here for the long run, the pair of them. Just delighted. delighted. But I, I'm delighted as well. I think, uh, Lassie's we've seen some interest, Jerry, from the likes of Southampton. It's no, it's absolutely no surprise that these players are going to be hitting the, the radars of big, big spending clubs. Um, and so there was a, a slight concern. I think last season, you mentioned about the finishing, there was a couple of moments where you just thought to yourself, have you had, added that to your game? Real Madrid being the big one, obviously. Yeah. Um, then, But then, you know, a lot of people in Axholm say to me that if you added that to the game, they wouldn't be at Celtic. And I get that as well because it kind of changes the dynamic of the player. Um, one of the finest moments last season from Maeda was, uh, again, going back to that active nature of he never he never stops. I mean, he he lived that mantra uh, against Rangers. Remember, they all stopped thinking it was a free kick. No, Maeda gets it. And the turn. Uh, to cross that ball without even looking over his shoulder to Jota was incredible. And obviously Jota has departed. Um, I don't think officially you've had an opportunity to talk about that, Jerry, either. I haven't, no, I haven't. I've actually had it written down here, but uh, my favourite Maida moment was the exact moment you were talking about against Rangers. And uh, I, I think we were too harsh on the Rangers' defence. I just think Maida was that fast. He made them look slow. You know, like that guy in X-Men, when he just comes in, everyone slows down, he saves everyone from the explosion. That's how fast he is to be. Uh, it was definitely one of my favourite moments, and it just epitomised the whole we never stop, didn't it? Uh, definitely. Are we still going to use that? We're going to still use that? We, we never stop. Are we going to keep using that? <sighs> I'm not into what was Brendan's one. Let's, what is it? Get the to work. work. Let's uh, get to work. Mm -hmm. Can't be saying that halfway through a season. I'm hoping we're at work by then. So, <laughs> uh, what was the other ones? We had um, 
This is only uh, the beginning with Lenny. Bring back the thunder. Bring back the thunder. Yeah, we had all that. Um, and then obviously we had the Ronnie Roar and all this kind of stuff. That's they are right. gimmicks. They are. They become gimmicks. I don't think they're intentional to begin with, but, you know, the the uh, marketing team jumps on top of them and they become gimmicks. Obviously, uh, Jota has left the building. Um, and I kind of, you know, that feeds in to something that started filtering through yesterday, Jerry, about our financial position. Celtic, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane how within um, our game, which is, you know, it's nowhere near being in the top five leagues in Europe. We, we totally accept that as Celtic fans. And within a, a relatively small country that we're able to produce a football team, a football side um, who can be this successful, not only on the park, which is what we're all interested in, right? But off the park, the way that this football club is run, um, and and by the way, what I always say when we we come up with these results, Celtic are not entitled to a penny of that. You know, this does not happen by accident. You could probably go back um, to Fergus McCann taking over the club as being year zero. I mean, what advantage did we have at that point? All right, we had a fan base, but I mean, even that the fan base was disenfranchised at that stage. You know, what our average attendance was under thirty thousand at that point when Fergus comes in. And we had a history and a tradition. That's what we had, right? But, I mean, it was many, many years before we had seen better days. So at that point, we got our act together. You know, we built the stadium. We built a stadium that, if you were to look at the previous 10 seasons um, at Celtic Park, was too big for our our fan base, our match-going fan base. But we built the the stadium 60,000. It had the foresight, Fergus, to do that. And year on year, we have built the finances, the season ticket base, uh, the kit deals. Everything has been maximised and maximised. Eight years in a row we've sold out the season tickets, Jerry. There's a waiting list. I've seen various different figures. I'm not sure how big the waiting list is. We we have the, the player recruitment and trading model. At the moment, it looks like we've got it to a T. Just sold Jota for a rumoured 27 million quid, you know, because the, the figure was 25 that was um, swimming about. In this transfer window, we could get more money for sales of Frimpong, who has got interest from AC Milan, Man United and Arsenal, and Tierney, who is interested in Newcastle and Aston Villa. We could bring in another 8 million quid. Jerry, it never stops. It's, it's unbelievable how well run this football club is because actually, when you look at the Scottish game and, and the market and all this kind of stuff, we are constantly punching above our weight. Touchwood. Is uh, yesterday when it came out, you kind of got the sense it was like, oh, by the way, we're richer than we thought. Yes. You go. <laughs> at, I've never woke up and thought that in, in my forty-five no. years on this planet. I've never the opposite, thought that. <laughs> <laughs> a few times. Aye. but it's like it's the come to feel so comfortable knowing that your club has that has the finances in order, um, knowing that Brendan's come in saying, look, we need to go up, we need to take another step up. With the finances, with the team, with the manager in place, you can only dream, can't you? I'm the worst for it, mate. I'm, I, I, we'll be winning the Champions League in my head next season. I, I buy into it all, but there's something really special building here. And I, that's not something I'm just fantasising in my head. You can see it week by week, month by month. The club gets more stable. Mm-hmm. The team seems to get better. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited for the future. Really excited. You've got to be. I mean, the thing with that is, Jerry, it's like, you know, we're not a, a club. 
let's say like Newcastle, where the the finances have been flooded into the football club. Um, it, it's all about every single income stream being maximised. Um, there's there's the engagement, which often we are critical of when, when it comes to the club engaging with fans. There's that engagement, which has to happen in order to build uh, the trust between the fans and, and the club. And I think that that has been repaired because it was looking a bit flimsy, certainly through the pandemic. Uh, but there was loads of other circumstances surrounding that. And when you look at some of the arguments around where Celtic are, you know, outgrowing Scottish football, for example, that, that's something that's always going to be on the horizon. It's always going to be a discussion point. And whether or not that that happens in my lifetime, I'm not so sure, Jerry. I think there's so much politics that will prevent it from happening. And I felt that the pandemic um, and the financial nature of not just clubs, but certain leagues uh, around the world, um, that that might have created an opportunity for Celtic to play in a bigger, um, more expansive league. It might happen in my lifetime. I'm not sure, but I always see this uh, this argument about you know if Celtic were to join, let's say the English league, right? Because it's been it's been spoken about so often. If Celtic were to join English league, ah, oh, there'd be a mid-table side, there'd be a Championship side, all this kind of stuff. And I think that's absolute nonsense because at the moment, what we don't have is we don't have the broadcasting revenue. Right, and if we were to have that, then you know we're we're then on on the same kind of footing as these other clubs, and then you add the fact that we've got a much bigger fan base worldwide, um, and then that feeds into the merchandise side of it. There's also the allure of joining Celtic. I remember back in the day, Jerry, speaking to a lot of the ex-players who said, you know, we were trying to sign players, and then show them the training ground, and the training ground was Barrafield. You went up and it was like a quagmire of mud, you know what I mean? It was like, and um, I think it was Ajax, yeah. Ajax were coming to players in the early 80s in that fight, that, that famous game, uh, that famous tie. And uh, they were taken up to Barrafield and didn't believe it was Celtic's training pitch. They refused to train there. They thought that we had given them some kind of public platform, go and just train over there. They did not believe that, that that's where Celtic had trained. <clears throat> Um, so, you know, you've got all that kind of thing surrounding where we are as a football club. But I think we've now maximised it. There's going to come to a point where I don't think we're there yet where we have completely maximised what we can achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that we've kind of touched on that domestically. Nine in a row, quadruple treble. It's like you've completed Scottish football at that stage. Yeah. So now I think that's why we're, we now focus on Europe. But it's a fine balance because how can you progress in Europe when, you know, you are in this small kind of... Um, this bubble is Scottish football. Do you think Brendan Rodgers can improve on what we've been doing over the last couple of years? I believe he can. I hope he can. I think I was listening, I don't know if it was yesterday's podcast or the day before, where you were speaking about the model that we've been using about basically the no-risk loan, loaning Jota, uh, CCV, giving them a try for a year, then going back and it's that's the kind of no-risk model that's been helping us get this money and to get stability and I'm with you. I don't want to see us going out now and starting 15 million maybe on a player um, that's a risk because it only takes that one bad sale to put you back the way again. So I'd like to see us continue. Obviously, maybe one, one signing, maybe over 8 million, 9 million. It'd be nice if they're proven. Um, but I'd like to see them using the same model because I think we are going to get better in Europe. I've said it continuously. I think about last season was the the season I missed chances in the Champions League and a lot of the players hadn't played in it before. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how they do this season. And um, Kyogo especially, he'll be chomping at the bit 
you know what he's like. He's like mm-hmm. he'd been annoyed at himself. He wouldn't get as many chances. Actually, I think he was not injured for a couple of the games in the Champions League. Am I right? Yeah, and that's the thing with Kyogo. Um, you go, you could also use that example with Carter Vickers. You know, he missed games in the Champions League. Um, Kyogo was criticised for not getting on the score sheet in the Champions League. So yeah, I, I was looking forward to that. I was looking forward to the the team being galvanised by another successful season, which we've had. Obviously, winning the treble, and I was looking forward to seeing if Ange could make that next step, which would be obviously progression. And I know that the the whole discussion today could be about what is European progression for Celtic? What can we possibly achieve? And I keep going back to the fact that Rodgers, he went away to Leicester. Again, we spoke long and hard about that one. I recently reposted the link to um, Kevin Graham and I reacting to Brendan Rodgers leaving the first time round. And I'd never listened back to it, Jerry, because you just don't do that because you're always on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I never listened to it back, so I, was, I wasn't quite sure how we reacted. <laughs> but in listening back to it to make sure that uh, we hadn't done anything daft on it, to make sure that we, you know, it might have to get an edit, I was quite surprised with how balanced we were uh, under the circumstances. You know, we didn't lose our minds over it. Um, and, and in actual fact, Kevin Graham made a few predictions that came to fruition. Uh, around when he coming back, what would happen next, etc. And he was he was pretty spot on. Um, but yeah, European progression. Why should we be looking at that? Well, at the end of the day, we're dreamers, we're football fans, Jerry. That that's what we are. And, and I'm like yourself. I don't say well, Celtic can win the Champions League because under the circumstances, everything points towards us not being able to. You know, because uh, we've seen it last season. There is a gulf. There's a huge gulf. Um, and, I, you know, Celtic get criticised for having that same gulf in Scottish football. But I keep reminding people that if you want to look at the gulf between Man City, who just won the Champions League, and Celtic, right, why is it there? Well, there's two reasons, right? You've got that huge personal investment, where they're actually getting their money from, but also the broadcasting side of it which Celtic don't have. We just don't have it. Um, and whilst that that's there, there's the massive, massive gap. But in terms of where Celtic are in Scottish football, um, we've worked hard to get where we are. And this is what I keep going back to. We're not entitled to a penny of that money that's in the bank. We're not entitled to a penny of the money that we make from... Trans- that, that's just really shrewd business. And I look at some of the other clubs and I just think there's a defeatist attitude. Brian Degnan and I talk about this all the time, whereby you think, well, just do better run your business better, have a plan that exceeds the next three months, have a plan that, that looks at three years and five years and actually start building something, building the blocks towards the future. I don't think enough football clubs do it. Um, and obviously since the kind of early to mid-80s when Aberdeen and Dundee United were a force in Scottish football, we've not really had it. There's been plenty of examples where teams could have competed and they've not done it. I remember Hearts. Remember Hearts, I think, uh, were unbeaten in the first 12 games of the league campaign. Quite Craig Burley. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, right. Uncle Uncle George. George. George Burley. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and they imploded. They imploded. Right. And that, that's what happens. You've got to see it through. And I think Celtic, um, yeah, we've got a, a global fan base. I totally get it. Um, but, you know, there was a time where yeah, it was a while ago, but in the in the 90s, we didn't have a shirt sponsorship deal, Jerry. We didn't have a sponsorship deal on the jersey for a whole season. That's where we were as a football club. We could not attract a sponsor and look at us now. So every time we get a shirt sponsorship deal, it's bigger than the last one. Every time we get a kit manufacturer deal, 
it's bigger than the last. We're constantly breaking our own records on that. So fantastic. But what does money in the bank mean for Celtic? Well, it gives you a bit of stability. And now I'm at that stage where, like Jungle Lion, I'm hoping that we can start putting some of it back out to bring some talent back to the club or into the club. Jungle Lion, often people say to me when I meet them, by the way, and I've not said this to Jungle Lion, oh, you've got favourites in the comments section. You're always bringing up Jungle Lion. Well, can I just say, right, when I open up this screen, there's like a, a wee scroll bar on the right-hand side, and Jungle Lion, more often than not, is the first comment that I see. So unless he's talking nonsense and you don't, I'll bring up your comment. It's the first one on my screen. <laughs> and there's no favoritism. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Even though we do want to go over to Ireland to do a live Axom show in his oh. man hut in his back garden, <laughs> you should check it out, Jerry. Really? <laughs> oh, yes. We could do a tour. We could do a tour of man huts and man sheds. Mate, that's a great idea, by the way. Aye. I'd be well Contact up for it. Us, DM us. Give us DM your invites. We'll do it. Um, see, going by what you were saying about uh, uh, the whole money situation, the clubs, and obviously Pep was on record there talking about us. Um, Celtic de Glasgow, I love that. Uh, Celtic de Glasgow. I was like, mate, don't don't involve us in this. We earned our money. We earned yeah. our cash, big man. You would you given it, and it was do, it was doing my head in. But what was it Tiger Woods said? Don't get better, get better. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm glad you brought up Pep because that's a great link. He did. He threw us into the mix there, the richest club, buy the better players and have the most success. He did say that. And you need to go out and buy expensive players. I think what we got with um, with Ange was an insight into do, doing things slightly differently. Um, Kevin Graham wrote a, a good blog uh, yesterday, it appeared on Axom.net, around the, the fact that, you know, back in the day, I think it was very much the manager picked the players, the transfer signings, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you look not that far into the, the distance. The football club wouldn't interfere with that kind of thing. You know, they were identified and signed by the gaffer. They had the kind of last say in it. But as football has um, moved on and developed, we, we now understand as football fans that there's a whole recruitment team and there's a whole day-by-day, uh, day, 24-7 operation behind the scenes identifying players uh, the gaffer's obviously setting down the criteria for the players that, that he wants. And every so often, if he needs a specific player, he can go to his recruitment team and they'll have a whole dossier um, of a number of players and, and their strengths and their weaknesses, etc. And I think that in the past, clubs, Celtic included, have fallen into the trap of signing players without even seeing them playing. Um, and again, going back, that, that was one of his rules. He, we had to go and see the player uh, other than one uh, who was Harold Bratback, who we didn't go and see. But by the way, I'm not going to have a dig at Harold Bratback because, you know, he scored that goal, Jerry, that goal Wait, against St. Johnson. Exactly. Yeah, by the way, is this true? I heard a rumour years ago, right, talking about signing players and I, I heard that we signed the wrong Bangura. Did you ever was, hear that? I did, but it wouldn't surprise me because the uh, one we got was was clearly not a footballer. Uh, and then there was another one, and apparently they were like, all right, get him, and they signed him. I don't know how true this is, but apparently they are like, well, this is the wrong one. <laughs> So. Would not surprise me. And I always remember about Bangura, he, he came with a, a recommendation from Henrik Larsson. 
Um, and and Henrik right. is one of these guys. I've never had the opportunity to meet or speak to him or any of these kind of things, but I would need to get that clarified. That's a kind of quirky bit of information that I need to know for Henrik Larson. I'm not going to talk to you about Seville, Henrik, or all the goals <laughs> that you scored. Was it you that recommended Mo Bangura? Um, and why? So, yeah. Did we not play him in a Champions League qualifier after he came back to the team? Did he not hit the postman overhead kick or something? <laughs> and by the way, he was still a Celtic player. He was on loan. So he was. Was it? That's was right. it? Um, Ellsberg. Somebody in the comments, keep me right. I try my best not to Google when I'm when I'm doing the the, the broadcast because I'm trying to get my brain to work. Uh, I think it was a team like that. You guys um, remember so much information, by the way. See when I watch the podcast, I watch it every single day, mate. I mean, it, it's brilliant. I look forward to it every day. But see the things you remember. See last season, every game pretty much blends into one for me. But you guys are like, oh, do you mind such and such scored in 1982? It was a Tuesday. I think it was raining that day as well. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, you remember, it's bizarre. You remember what you were wearing, who you were at the game with. Um, and then the missus asked you, have you done that? You thought, and I for- totally forgot about that. You know, you forget the things. You don't forget, <laughs> you don't forget the fine detail. I want to bring up this uh, from yesterday. I'm actually a big fan of the show Hot Ones on YouTube, right? I love it. I've seen loads and loads of the episodes where I don't even know the name of the guy uh, who presents it, but he's fantastic. Uh, and basically, it's it's a twist on the interview. You know, the the tried and tested interview, Jerry, which has been for decades and generations a brilliant a brilliant TV show, for example, is often based around the interview. Um, and great American shows, great British shows. And I watch loads of interviews because it's something I'm passionate about. I love interviewing folk. Um, but then they've tried to put a, a kind of twist on it. So he's feeding them hot wings. And they start with kind of mild sauces and they get hotter and hotter and hotter. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he's interviewed and in Lewis Capaldi, right? So... Uh, Lewis Capaldi for me is somebody I've again never met, never had any dealings with, but I've I've uh, I've had a few bands in the studio who have worked very close closely to Lewis Capaldi, who are who are actually mates with him, right? Um, one one being Mark Sharp and the Bicycle Thieves, who are one of my favourite kind of up and coming bands. They're they're phenomenal, but they've known Lewis Capaldi from pre-fame you know, when he was playing acoustic guitar and boozers locally and all that stuff. Uh, and Lewis Capaldi never ever forgot that. So when he was doing like kind of global dates, he got the the boys to support him, you know, on some of the European legs of the tour and stuff like that. He's, he's never forgotten them. Uh, but by the way, it's on merit as well because they're a phenomenal band. Check them out, Mark Sharp and the Bicycle Thieves, uh, big Celtic fans as well, incidentally. Um, and I seen that Capaldi was on the show. Did you watch it? Did you see no, the clips? I've I've seen clips. I've not seen the Capaldi clip. I've seen clips of people eating the wings and getting hot. <laughs> and I remember watching it going, "What's what's going on here?" It's a great but, concept, uh, by the way. Because I, I'll, I'll check you it. Know, out. You you should you should because and again once you watch Lewis Capaldi's, you'll probably dig into all the previous episodes. They're all in there. Big, big Hollywood stars have done this. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is, A, because Capaldi for me is brilliant, right? He's phenomenal. Love or loathe his music. What that boy has achieved is, and by the way, I don't loathe his music. I, I'm, it's a bit of a, you know, one that. of the things. Aye, exactly. A I've been pleasure. to a lot. <laughs> The past couple yeah, it's good. It's good, good when you're a, a certain frame of mind. Um, I think it's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. And, of course, he's never hidden his love for Celtic, has Lewis Capaldi. Um, now, he is asked by the presenter, whose name escapes me, um, 
he, and he's American, and he's like, so if I was to go to a, a Celtic football game, you know, because you know he's, he's not into football, right? Um, and if I was to go there, what would be the chant? What would be your favourite chant? And Lewis starts singing Grace. It's a it's a moment because oh. obviously Lewis is having a hard time than it. Uh, mentally and physically and um, I think that comes across in the video as well but yes that's singing great so big shout out to Lewis Capaldi for taking us to a, a whole new audience come on the show big man come on the show imagine that can you imagine that, that that, I be, want to be on it if he accepts this now that, that would be phenomenal uh, yeah of course I, I, and good we'll health mate. wish you all the best yes because I think he's cancelled quite a few dates uh, recently because of because of his health so hopefully he does get better soon we're talking Juggle Line brought it up bringing a few players in and also the Hatati thing right we'll get to that because he's another one right okay I'm now ticking him off I was worried about Kyogo worried about Maeda Worried about Jota, right? I've got two ticks and a cross now. But there's a few others on that list, Jerry. One of them is Rio Atati. I, I regard him up here. Is he even higher than Kyogo in my estimation? Potentially. I think he's got it in his locker to be that player that takes it to another level. Are we going to be able to keep him? That's the big question, Jerry. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I look into things far too much. Why is he? Is there a reason he's not back at Celtic Park training with the rest of them? Well, you know, I was reading yesterday because of the Joe Hart um, interview, which we'll talk about as well. How uh, some of the international guys were not back, so I'm I'm trying my best not to read too much into that, and yeah. just thinking, well, there's a few there's a few players who have been on international duty, and they've maybe been given a couple of days leeway here or there. Um, but Hitati for me. I keep going back to us being prepared to lose one or two, right? So let's say it's two. Um, and I think, as noted yesterday by JP, that the marketing team and the social media team, et cetera, are doing really well to, you know, okay, there's a wee downside, there's a wee negative, I'm going to give you a positive, right? So the way I'm looking at it is we've had a couple of positives and we've had Brennan Rogers cancelling out the Ange Postacoglu. Let's not follow that up with a negative. You know, um, and Hatate is the one that I'm probably most concerned about. I think others in that bracket would be um, O'Reilly and Abada. People might say, well, "What about Carter Vickers?" I've not seen any any speculation around Carter Vickers. I've not seen any interest from any other clubs around him. So at the moment, I'm quite solid on Carter Vickers. I think you know he's going to be here next season. Of the three that I've mentioned, though, Hatate. Abada O'Reilly, do you think Atati's the one that we're going to have bids for? I think so. I think he's he's unreal. I potentially, I think he could be one of our highest ever transfers. I think if he goes to Saudi, I'm hoping he's not staying over in Japan because it's closer um, to where he's moving to. Um, I would hate to lose him, but I sincerely believe... I don't know what it is. I've got a gut feeling. I just think he's gone. Like you said, we've been getting some good news, some good news. And I don't know. Do you try and work out, right, would they reveal Kyogo first, then Hitati, then Maida? Why are they doing it that way? Um, with Carter Vickers as well, do you know what I'm thinking? And it just hit me there, actually. You know, he's just at his operation. Mm. Do you think there won't be a lot of teams will be wanting to bring him straight in? So they might go, right, let's see how he does after his operation for six months before we put a bid in or a year. So we might... Good point. Might be lucky that way. I'm hoping that's the case because I don't like judging it in the last few games of the season, etc. And that, he was out and would won it basically, but it didn't he look great at the back at times? And so I'm hoping, hoping we can keep him. He's absolutely solid, man, isn't he? 
there were some moments where you know he was throwing his body in front of things, and these these are the moments that you remember. But again, um, his performances are certainly backed up with the data. Um, you know, Alan Orson's got a great a great way of looking at centre halves and how they're scoring. And I remember you used to speak about how Chris Iyer was scoring so highly, um, and you know what then happens is if you say something like no one's hit these figures since. And that name that you use is Virgil van Dijk. All of a sudden, you're saying, oh, I'm comparing Chris Iyer to Virgil van Dijk, but that's not really, in a sense, what we were. We certainly weren't saying Ayers is good as van Dijk. Um, but his, his figures were really, really high. And I think if you look at Carter Vickers and his figures, they, they're particularly high as well. Um, Centre half last season for me was a situation, Jerry, where we had the first two who I was completely confident with, Starfield and Carter Vickers. Everything underneath that, and I mean every option underneath that, I don't think I was convinced by. So you've got Stephen Welsh, right? Now, I've championed him. I love seeing young players coming through and and, uh, making a career for themselves at Celtic. But Stephen Welsh apparently has got even more interest. This is like three years running now where there's been interest in the player from elsewhere. And I think it's time for him to go away and craft a new life for himself. Somewhere else, I think Italy would be brilliant for him. Um, Again, when you look at the metrics and all all the different data, Stephen Welsh scores extremely highly on on a lot of that in in terms of, right, this is the Italian way of playing. Will he suit that? You know, because I don't think his aerial duels um, are great. I don't think his his data will, will say that either. He gets beaten far too often in the air. Um, I think a lot of the time, though, when you're looking at passing from the back and all this kind of stuff, he scores really, really highly. Time for him to go. Uh, who else did we have? We had Kobayashi coming in. Not impressed so far with Kobayashi. Um, don't want to write him off quite yet. Jerry's one of the guys you want to have another look at, but he's not impressed me at all. Um, and the other one, of course, was uh, Maritz Jens, who went away and done not bad elsewhere. That, that, that was a shocker for me. I'm still not over that. I loved him. I thought he was... A great defender. Where's he just moved to as well? It's just a good move, isn't he? Germany. It was only, it was only for about ten million quid, I as well. You what know? was it? I? <laughs> so <laughs> he's a he's a player we were kind of writing off a wee bit, but like yourself, I'd seen enough, and I thought that we might have extended that. Uh, but there was a couple of loanies who came and went. Him and uh, Albogard. So, you know, Avance didn't fancy you. You were back at the door just as quick as you came in. Um, so I think that's an area, and I'm going to ask the, the listeners, everybody out there, thanks for tuning in, a thousand strong on this Friday afternoon. Um, where are we going to be strengthening? We know how we opened up the show by talking about getting a few new players um, on longer deals, Jerry. We've got money in the bank, you know, to such a degree that we had to make a, an announcement uh, to the London Stock Exchange, as you say, to say, actually, we're a wee bit richer than we thought we were. Brilliant. <laughs> Sorry. Found this uh, extra £30 million down the back of the couch. Uh, brilliant. So it's like when you put a suit on, because obviously guys like you and me probably don't wear them a lot, and you find a, a £20 note in the inside pocket. It's tremendous. I, I love all that. The world. It is. All the world. Do you know what I was going to say to you? See... So we're talking the other day about who's bring Brendan Rogers might get the best out of. Mm. Did you watch the video when they were training? And uh, they were all coming back by and he's shaking all their hands and I think it was the Odin home. He's like, oh, have you had a little shave? Did you see that? I never right. saw it. Right, it's brilliant. So basically Celtic, uh, it's like maybe 30 seconds long and it's like Brendan at work, right? So all the players are either coming into training, I think they're coming into training, and he's, they're basically lined up one at a time going by him, right? And he's like, how you doing? Oh, bring 
giving a hug, and then he's like, Oden Holmes, oh, have you had a little shave? <laughs> but, then, but then Burnaby comes to him, and Brendan Rogers' eyes lit up, and he embraces him. Go and have a watch there. I'm a body language person. You, you'll be the same. He's, he's a writer, and, uh, he's a, a director, and I'm always looking at how people move, and how, what their eyes look like, their mannerisms. I've got a sneaky feeling that Burnaby's going to be a big player under Brendan Rogers. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I didn't think he was suited to the inverted fullback. I've got to say, I don't think no. he was suited to that. Um, but again, we had a discussion the other day there, Jerry, talking about whether or not we're going to stick to that. Someone pointed out that there there was a, a spell at Liverpool where Brennan did play with inverted fullbacks. That'll be interesting because we're talking about you know the revitalisation of Celtic careers. Burnaby, you've just mentioned there, that'll be an interesting one. Um, I've, I've threw an O. I think I've yep. even mentioned Hart. I want to talk about Hart as well. But you're just reminding me of something talking about the, the gaffer there with the player having a shave. Um, I was doing some research uh, a few years back with Graham Morrison. Now, Graham Graham's about the same age as me and he, he very, very sadly passed away uh, through cancer a few years ago. But he played with Celtic way back. Well, I say way back. It was uh, 1990s he played with Celtic, right? Um, uh, as, a, as a youth player, came through the ranks, captain the reserves, all that stuff, never quite broke through. He went on to play with Morton and Queen's Park and a few other teams. But um, he set up an interview for me and the interview was with Frank Connor who also has very sadly passed on not that long ago. Now, Frank Connor was in and around Celtic over a few different spells in various different positions. He was David Hayes' assistant manager, and, and he was there or thereabouts. And I remember when, um, in between Liam Brady and Lou McCarry, there was a period of three games when Frank Connor basically managed the side Right, I think if you look at the official figures, it might give them two of the games. But uh, when Lou McCarry came in, Frank Connor still dealt with the team for the first game under Lou, which was against Rangers at Ibrox. We beat them 2-1. And Graham Morrison hadn't seen him for years, but he was basically the guy who used to look after the, the reserve team and all that as well. And uh, all the way through, Graham was talking about the fact that he hadn't had a shave. This is this is Jen up. This was 20 years after... Yeah, Frank Connor had been his manager at Celtic. He says, oh, "I can't believe it. I never had time for a shave. Can't believe it." He was he was actually worried about not having a shave on the way through to his old manager who managed him twenty years before. He says, "You watch this, Paul." And he's tra- chapped on Frank Connor's door. And as soon as the door opened, Frank pulled him up for not having a shave. Oh, really? <laughs> it, it, proper old school mentality of a manager. And I think yeah. uh, Jock Steam is big on that as well. You know, you had right. to have permission to grow a beard, a la Danny McGrain. Um, so, lumps at <laughs> the Axom shave, you better make sure you're safe for Axom. Brilliant. Uh, Celtic follower, you are commenting on YouTube. Anybody out there who wishes to get involved in the chat, and we talk, we talk about all things Celtic, all you need to do is subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's absolutely free, and you can get involved in a discussion. Afternoon all, great business tying down Maeda and Kyogo on four-year deals. Surprised we haven't offloaded many of those loaned out last season. Now, we're talking about people who may be resurrected as Celtic players. Um, can you see any of the loanees being resurrected? Kevin Graham said on Monday, Adam Montgomery, he's the boy that's going to be resurrected. 40 minutes later, he signed for Fleetwood Town. <laughs> Brilliant. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I think he was, I, I would have agreed with him as well. I, thought, I think Montgomery's a great player, but I can't see. I don't think, this might sound harsh, I don't think I want to see any of them come through. 
Mm-hmm. I want I want something fresh. Um, I think a lot of talk about Mikey Johnson, um, especially yeah. with that with that Ireland performance. And Brendan likes him, doesn't he? He likes him. So I think if anyone they would see a kind of Phoenix kind of for the Flames type thing, it might be Mikey Johnson. Um, I suppose I wouldn't be against that. But who am I to judge? Um, I. I really, can't, I really can't see anyone. I think we're going to get some new players in, keep the core that we've got, and then try and get rid of a lot of the... I don't like saying deadwood. It's quite disrespectful at times, but I suppose there's no other word that, for it. But uh, it's time to move them on, but it's, it's not as easy. I mean, you'd like to see them all gone, but as soon as you say, can you move on for less money, please? No. But let's call them driftwood. There you go. Driftwood. driftwood. Listen, oh, yeah. Jerry. you know what we could do, right? And, and by the way, a few people have asked me on the socials if we have a threads page. And my kind of response to that is, I need to figure out what threads is before I build an Axon page around I've it. But yes, um, yeah, threads. I've not even got on the TikTok yet, never mind Instagram. So one of these days when I come in, I've got a wee hour to spare in here. I'm going to set up all three of them. And if anybody knows how to use TikTok, give me a shout because I think you could probably use a video, you could probably create a video, Jerry, of Axom talking about Mikey Johnston being in the last chance saloon for the last three pre-seasons. Do you think Mikey Johnston's going to be the player this year? And it's happened three years in a row. Three years in a row that's happened with Mikey. (laughs) And it's still happening. So there comes a point where you, you just think, you know what, it's not happening for you, Mikey. Time to move on, son. And I think that his loan deal... Um, proved that getting games is what these guys need. He started getting games and he broke into the Ireland team. You know, the, the reason he's an international footballer is because of the games he was playing when he was on loan in Portugal. He would never have got that. He would never have made that breakthrough, Jerry, being, you know, a sub for Celtic and getting nine minutes here and there. So I think that that, to Mikey and to Stephen Welsh and to any of the other players who have got maybe time on the side age-wise, go out and play football. You do not want to be one of these players who, you know, you get to the age of 26 and you made 100 appearances. It's just, it's no good for a footballer because they'll stagnate. Um, and then, you know, if they're stagnating and they're not getting game time, the loan deals, the, the calibre loan deal that they get is going to diminish. Go out there whilst it's hot. Whilst there's Italian interest in Stephen Welsh, grasp it. Go out there and play foot, your football over there. I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a prediction here. Um, and again, if somebody ever wanted to go through the previous episodes, I'm sure you could get a whole TikTok video on all the bad predictions I've made. And you might get a very short one on all the good ones. I'm going to say Stephen Welsh will play for Scotland. I think he will play for Scotland in the future. Uh, but he, he won't be a Celtic player. No. He'll I go totally away. Agree. Yeah, and he'll craft his opportunity somewhere else. Now, George, I didn't think we were late today, but you know if we were, George, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Come on, Axel. Were we late? I didn't think we were late. <laughs> I thought we were. I know. I'm pretty, that's why I'm bringing you up, George. Uh, I don't want to uh, meet you in a dark alleyway anyway. Um, Celtic, Celtic, uh, you know, on social media and stuff like that, never fail to amaze, amaze me, the Celtic fan base. So I was in Mexico and uh, I might have mentioned that. Sorry, it was my first holiday in four years, so I, I will mention it from time to time. And I, I'm over in Mexico thinking to myself, um, about this this picture of George Best, right? Um, there's a picture of George Best wearing the Celtic centenary. This is the things I do even when I'm home. I'm thinking, what is that all about? I've seen the images a few times, but I don't know enough about the game. I need to find out more about that game. So I was having a look through the pictures, and I noticed that the one 
where he's, he's quite a close-up. You see him in a beautiful centenary jersey. First thing I notice is their replica jerseys, by the way. They, no, they never came for Celtic. They came out the shop because it's the furry badge, right? And right. I'm looking yeah. I'm looking at George and I'm thinking, that is a, a screenshot, Jerry, from a video. It's definitely a screenshot, which means somebody's filmed this game. So I thought to myself, I'm just going to stick it out on Twitter. Somebody must know where that videotape is. And see, within 24 hours, right, not only did the guy who screenshotted the picture get in touch with me, he uploaded the whole video to YouTube. Uh, it's about a 25-minute video, and it's George Best playing for a, a Celtic exhibition team over in Australia. He's lined up alongside Willie Wallace, um, Albert Kidd's, a la Love Street 86, um, and, and believe it or not, Ben Doak's granddad. No. So they're all playing for Celtic in his benefit game, and, and somebody has filmed 20 minutes of the game. I believe what happened in the second half, uh, from what I'm told, is he played for the other side. So whoever was filming it didn't bother filming the second half. But, but it's just these things, you know, on Twitter and, and all this kind of stuff. You throw it out there. And it comes back brilliantly. And I did the same with Roy Aiken at Butlins. And I can I can <laughs> honestly say, I must have been bored. I'm thinking, right, who was at Butlins in the 1980s? I've now got about 20 pictures of people at Butlins with Roy Aiken. It's phenomenal. The response I've got right into this the past couple of days. Because that's your part of the world, isn't it? Aye, so Butlins was basically, I, I was born in Presswick and brought up in Presswick. But our holiday, it would have been a holiday, but it would be a day to Butlins, right? And I always remember... She'll kill me for saying this, but it's 100% true. So you'd have to pay for your passes to get through. So my mum would stick me in the boot of the car to drive me through the entrance. I'm talking I'm five, six-year-old here, mate, right? So I'd be like, I'll go in, I'll go in. So I'd be hunkered down in the boot of the motor, right, while she would drive through. And then I'd have to wait until they chat, and then I would be able to come out. That is brilliant. That is super. Smuggling kids to Butlins, super. Smuggling kids in. And the first thing I would go to was the Mexican hat. I don't know if there's a link there with the smuggling, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there was a big Mexican hat, but I never ever saw any of the Celtic players. But it's it's funny because I remember one of the first ever football facts I was told, um, and I'm sure it was my papa, and it was about uh, Roy Aitken. Have you heard this fact that Roy Aitken's dad, Roy Aitken, sorry, was the only person that in Scotland played with Scotland that had an African father. <laughs> that was Jim Aitken. Jamaican, I did, I did hear that. Yes, I That's did. That's the first thing I ever remember about a football joke, and it was my papa telling me that one. The thing um, is, as a kid, you believe that it's true. You didn't actually understand that it's a joke. Um, told all my mates. Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, keep them coming. Why am I so interested in Roy Aiken? It's because, obviously, he is our next guest at uh, Axon Life. It's at Barra's Art and Design. Tickets going quickly. Please join us. And if you want to come along, then the t- ticket link is underneath the video. Uh, we're talking about new signers as well, Jerry, as you do during the pre-season. Yang Hyun Yoon um, is uh, a, a young 21-year-old, I say that, uh, right-winger, who is linked with a £2 million move to Celtic. It's one of these ones that's been hanging around for a while, but apparently the, the club gang one didn't want to sell them at this moment in time, it would appear, according to Anthony Joseph of Sky Sports, uh, that they are now playing ball. So that could well be another move uh, for Celtic over the next uh, few days. And hopefully we will get a few announcements. And it's not just about the fact that we've got money. You want to progress. You want to, you know, I think last season, um, when we brought in Jota and Carter Vickers, that was sensational bit of business for Celtic. We had the conversation at the time, 
which one do you want? Because we didn't think we'd get the two of them, yes. and we got the two of them. So it's about strengthening, and I think we strengthened further with the acquisitions of uh, Johnston, and I'm going to say oh. I don't think we've seen it all yet from Mo, but I think that he's been a good buy. Um, and there's also an argument to say that there was a, quite a few players from last campaign that we brought in who didn't really shine that Ange, that, that Ange brought in. It also brings me on to Moy. He was also a good signer. Are there any signings from last season that you, that you think might show their true colours this time round? I'm thinking of Wata, for example. That's- I think that- Exactly who I was going to say myself, mate, Awata. I'm quite excited. I always kind of thought it, it was big in Ange's plans and I always thought he was brought in for a bit more this season than last season. I think bedding him in last season, I think I'm going to see a lot more of him. Uh, I like him as a player, not as a centre-back, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him as well. And um, I think somebody did actually, I can't remember who said it on the show the other day, not that he needs to get better, but Adam Johnson as well, I think, is going to be a huge player for us this season also. Well, also, I know he was a big role anyway. I know that he wasn't kind of in the, uh, behind the scenes or anything like that, but I think we're going to see a lot of him. I've been calling him Anthony Johnston. I you, heard you, that, mate, I, You've just called him Adam. You've just called him Adam. No, what I is didn't. It? What is it about Alistair Adam Johnson? Johnson. <laughs> yes. I can't see that, Matt. I know. We'll delete that. Uh, <laughs> Alistair Johnston. Alistair Johnson. Remember we were talking about him on the, the podium um, after Angie, or during Angie's speak, uh, speech, rather. I'm losing the ability to speak. Um, and we, you, as well as a body language expert, you read his lips, didn't you? And you said, he's gone. He said to him, he's gone. Um, and yeah, you were right, Alistair. What was it you thought he said? He's, he's, he's the dawn. The Don. <laughs> <laughs> He's no longer the Don. I take that back. Right, here we go. John Sweeney. Uh, we need the defence improved with a goalkeeper, centre-half, and someone better than Taylor. Right, let's look at this then, at uh, this point from John. Um, goalkeeper. Joe Hart spoke yesterday uh, on Celtic TV. Um, I always think he comes across brilliantly. There's been at least one occasion where we've been invited along to the the fan media conference and Joe Hart has been the guy doing the the talking. I think he's turned around a lot of people's perceptions of him, not just as a player, but as a person. There was a lot of people who didn't quite like him when they came to Celtic, a few of the Axon contributors. Um, I thought he was brilliant talking yesterday. um, And there's always this wee bit, and I like this about him, right? It's maybe something that people didn't like about him. I think... It's not arrogance, Jerry. He knows his value. He knows what he's achieved in the game, right? So sometimes when he gets questions, he's not defensive, but he puts them right. It's like, you know, I don't have to prove that I'm a successful goalkeeper who's played at the highest level, but he does want to improve on the performances at Celtic. I think he was uh, he was fielding the questions like a pro, but I would agree with John insofar as I think he needs competition. I don't think that the two goalies that are on the, the books, and I know... We have uh, young Toby Uwalayemi um, also at the club, but you know his loan deal didn't work out due to a few reasons last season. But if you're looking at first-team goalies, you've got Joe Hart, you've got Seagrist, and you've got Scott Bain. Hazard's about to seal a deal to Plymouth Argyle. Barkas is out the building. Has Bain or Seagrist challenged Joe Hart for the first uh, the goalie's jersey? No, nowhere near it. Um, so what do we do? Do we run with the three? Does he need competition? Someone who you might actually bring in as a first choice and then him and Joe Hart are fighting for the, the gloves. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's uh, enough quality competition for Joe Hart to be worried at all. Not that you want to worry your goalkeeper, but it's all you've always got to have that. I mean, I was a goalkeeper myself, and knowing that there's another keeper on the sidelines that's just as good or maybe even better than you, your concentration goes up, and that's talking from experience. I mean, I wasn't the best goalkeeper, but that. You need that pressure to play better. I think with Joe Hart, did you notice in these interviews as well? Was it just me? It looks like he's bulked up a bit as well. Yeah, I was looking at his his arms. I've got to say because obviously he likes his tattoos, doesn't he? He does. Um, yeah, he's massive big sleeve. Yeah, he looks big. But do you know something? You swayed me. (laughs) It was funny when you were on holiday. I literally had just been saying about I don't think Joe Hart's gonna fit into uh, Brendan Rodgers' system, (laughs) and then literally as I'm saying it, ping your comment comes up going. (laughs) The opposite, I think the Brenda will actually get. And do you know what? I went away and had a think about it. And perhaps you, you could be right. He might thrive under Brendan. And you always get, as a goalkeeper, you get that peak, real peak, that one off season, two seasons where you, just nothing's going by you. That, that could be this season. It mm-hmm. could be. He's a good shop stopper. My, my biggest thing always has been he's a great goalkeeper but I haven't seen him winning as enough points yet. He hasn't clawed, literally clawed us back into a match. When you look at the, the, the Fraser Fosters against uh, Lazio, that save that he pulled off in the last minute was... Basically, he had no right to save it, and I don't no. think I can ever remember a save Joe Hart's made that I've said he had no right to save that. Maybe one maybe one against... Who was it? can't remember. But we've also got to remember this. When Joe Hart came in, our goalkeeper before him, Barkas, was so bad. Yeah. When Joe Hart's first game, when he made just a, an average save, the place erupted. Do you remember that? Just a save, any save. It was just a save, <laughs> and that was that. We hadn't seen a save in months. Yeah. So, aye, he's, do you know what? There's a lot worse goalkeepers to have in your team, aren't there? there really well, you're is. talking about Foster. You remember games that Foster... Won us. I mean, you mentioned the Lazio game, obviously famously the Barcelona game, the the League Cup final. He was unbelievable in that League Cup final against Rangers. Um, the other night, we're getting shown footage of Boric playing against Man United. And again, I'd love to go back and watch the full game. Unbelievable, right? Because, man, you were throwing everything at us. And they had world superstars playing for them, right? And we had, and, and Gordon Strack mentioned this, we had guys like Ben Hutchison playing for us. Right, you remember him? Well, I, 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 honestly, their forward line they had Ronaldo and, and Rooney um, and uh, Tevez, you know, unbelievable skill uh, in the ranks. And Boric was saving shot after shot, it was unreal. Brilliant. And I get that, I can't remember a game where maybe there's been an onslaught and you're like, Hearts had three world class saves here, no. I, but I'm not digging them out for that. I do think no. we've got another season, but a big part of that might be to bring in the competition to Joe Hart to improve his own performances. And even if Hart has the season of his life, I still think he'll leave at the end of the season. I still think he'll go away and and do that retirement bit wherever he decides to go. But to go into the other points, John, um, the centre-half position, again, you you look at uh, Carter Vickers and Starfield and you think, well, why wouldn't they be suited to Brendan Rodgers' style of play? Well, they will be. And hopefully it can continue um, as is. Jacinta leaving the women's team, I'm not sure if that's going to affect Starfield. Depends where he gets his transfer. You know, people were talking about it on the socials and I made the point that many, many times in the past, the footballer's decision is based on what his missus thinks. Absolutely. Um, 
What was the move? David Beckham refused the move because Victoria didn't want to move. Where was it? It was um, um, honestly, was it, I remember. Was it meant to be going in? <sighs> was that was a move? Was it, it was definitely a move that she was like, "I'm not going." I'm not going. Um, the other one I used the example of was George Cadet, who um, had refused to come back from Portugal during the pre-season when Vim Janssen took over. Uh, Jock Brown flew over to his villa in Portugal to talk him out of it and say, listen, you know, you're still our player. Uh, come back. We're going to sign this guy called Henrik Larsson. We reckon that you could maybe have a partnership with him. The Swedish guy with dreadlocks could be a good partnership. The mind boggles. Anyway, he agreed. He agreed, I'm coming back, I'm, I'm committed, I'm a Celtic player. But Jock Brown, I interviewed him actually, but unfortunately what happened that day was I interviewed him in a public space and when I got home and listened to the interview, the quality was rubbish. It's still sitting on my laptop and I never put it anywhere. Um, but sometime later, Callum McFadden interviewed Jock Brown and he told the story, so seek, seek it out on Callum's uh, podcast. You'll find Callum on Twitter. And he tells the story pretty much word for word the way he, he said it to me as well. He said that when they were in the villa, George was very open and all the rest of it. But as soon as his his wife or his partner walked into the room, he was he was a kind of different beast and he wasn't giving too much away. And Jock thought, that was a bit strange, you know. So he jumps on the plane, he comes home, and um, as soon as he puts his mobile phone on, on upon returning to Glasgow, there was all these missed calls and voice messages. And George Cadet was crying on the other end of the phone, saying, I can't come back. I can't come back. And of course, he ended up going to Celta Vigo, I think. So it does affect players' decisions. Of course it does, Jerry. That's life. I mean, there's plenty of, I'm sure there's plenty of men out there that are absolutely petrified of their good lady. And uh, they, they rule the roost a lot of them. And, and quite rightly so as well. I mean, I think it's a big... It's a, to move your family about all the time, it's, it's going to have that effect on them. So a huge, huge, huge impact if somebody's married or even a girlfriend, let's face it. No, you're right. And and but by the way, I know we've not spoken actually about um the exodus that seems to be occurring with the Celtic women's team. There's a lot of players leaving. Um a lot of folk are questioning that. Where's the ambition there, Jerry? Uh, and I know that there's been a an announcement today uh that we have got let me just double check the player who has signed on a long term deal. Kelly Clark. Yep, captain's very signed, skipper signed. Um we've also did we not sign um, a player from is it Morocco yesterday? Yeah, saw that yesterday. Yeah, day before. Yeah. So I don't know. Is it is that a rebuild to push even further, or is it a case of we're not putting as much focus into the team? I hope it's not the latter because uh, I've started to really get right into the games now. So I want to start this year learning the players' names because I think I've been quite disrespectful that way. If I'm going to support the team, I've got to start learning all the players' names as well. Um, but I am, I'm hoping there's no a mass exodus, exodus. The past couple of days have been a bit more positive in that way, so hopefully it keeps mm. going up the way instead of back the way now. We started covering the games during the pandemic, and um, obviously the TV coverage helps a, a great deal. But when you're watching it, it you know, you, you don't think about... The, like the game against Rangers at Celtic Park. When, when they had 20,000. Unbelievable. You don't think about anything other than you want Celtic to win, right? That's all you're thinking about when you're watching the game, and that's the important thing. But I, I just feel this preseason so far, unless there's going to be a huge influx of more players coming in, it has been a bit of a concern, uh, and that's been backed up by the fact that um, the budget that Celtic have for the women's team is nowhere near 
the budget of Rangers uh, or Glasgow City, uh, or indeed yeah. Hibs. So although we've done really, really well, I think that's down to a few things, and in particular down to the management, uh, Fran Alonso. Yeah. What the job he's done has been incredible. Um, so yeah, we need to take it seriously. We need to continually invest in it because it's a game that's going to progress and get bigger and get better, and Celtic need to be at the forefront of that. We can't just um, pretend and, and play it kind of like lip service and then obviously once it comes down to the nitty gritty, you know, players are leaving because they can get a better wage at Hibs. We can't have that. No, um, John Sweeney also mentions Taylor. What's your thoughts on that? Is a bit harsh on Taylor, do you think, Jerry? Your namesake? I know. Well, that was the thing that I loved it. I've always wanted to hear Taylor signs for Celtic. So when that happened, I was tweeting that all over the place. What chance have I got with London Dykes, you know? <laughs> Probably no chance. <laughs> I know. Uh, absolutely. Love the boy. Um, I'm big on watching all the Celtic content like yourself and watching all the the, the interviews that they do. I don't know if you saw him and was it, he was interviewing Matt O'Reilly. Have you seen that one? I never watched that, actually. Mate, see if you can see all the Greg Taylor content that Celtic's released over the past couple of months. I was crying with laughter. I'm actually filling up with tears and nearly laughing here because see this boy, you can see how they just love him. Uh, he's just a right down-to-earth, fun guy. But on the pitch, I think he's brilliant. A lot of people said recently, oh, well, he played well because he was in the uh, inverted fullback role. But it wasn't, that's that's not a role that people are used to. As people are talking as if that's what the kind of player he is. Before Ange, Greg Taylor wasn't, that wasn't his way of playing. So I think the pace thing everyone keeps talking about with Greg Taylor, does he have the pace to fit into Brendan Rodgers' side? who knows, I want him to get better and better because he's proved people wrong so many times. And I loved that yesterday when you were talking about that he had to actually encourage to turn his Instagram comments back on so you could actually see that people were on site now. Yeah, popular again, Jerry. Aye, aye, exactly. Did you see the picture on with Chris Iyer at Chris Iyer's wedding? No, no. It was like the poster of that movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? (laughs) Iyer's there and Taylor's wedding there. And you're thinking, wow. Frightening. (laughs) Uh, do you know what I noticed about him? And I used to make this joke all the time when I was watching. Not a joke, but when I was watching it, I say I would point out and go, "Watch him from the minute the whistle blows. It looks like he's just blowing out his ass because <laughs> he works and he works, does, and he just does not stop. I think he's great. Could he be one that just every scene gets better and better, and then just becomes this player that even we didn't think he could be? But um, if he keeps doing what he did last season, get a little bit better, and hopefully we can keep a hold of him because I do have a soft spot and it's not just because we share the same name. <laughs> Another player, I want to mention this one because um, at 4.30 today up at Celtic Park, Laura Bradburn of Axom uh, will be part of the uh, fan media conference with Marco Tilio. And he's a player that, um, like anyone else, I've been looking at the show reels, I've been looking at the action. I know that you're a big fan of the way that he was able to keep the ball on the park. That was sensational. I can't stop watching that. How do you practice that? He, he must have done some long-term jammies. I don't know, you can't bend that way. <laughs> I can't even get in my bed with was That was unreal. It, really it looks was. brilliant. And, and just yes. today I was looking at the fact that he's the biggest export in terms of transfer fee out of the A-League in Australia. He's a player that's been um, much and long championed by Jared of Celtic Down Under. And we're going to get a chance to ask him a question. What would you ask Marco Tilio? Um, I said to Laura... Probably something around Harry Kuehl, because Harry Kuehl's a big a big hero over there for young kids coming through. There's a Harry Kuehl uh, award 
you know, that he was in the running for. Marco Tillio has been in the running a couple of times for that. And he's now coming to Celtic and he's going to be working with with Kuhl. Um, and Kuhl will be working with the offensive players, uh, I'm guessing. So, you know, that my question would be around that. Looking forward to working with Harry Kuhl. Is there anything you'd like to ask him, Jerry? I, how do you keep that ball in? How do you practice that? I, uh, oh, God, you put me in the spot here. What would I ask him? Um... He played with Arnold Roy at the World Cup as well. I wouldn't, right? I would like to ask him, did you know about the transfer when Ange was the manager? And did you think you were coming to work under Ange? And how did you feel now that it's under Brendan Rodgers? But I don't think they would be able to answer that one, would they? It would be an interesting one to ask him. Um, I think that, again, going back to Kevin Graham's blog yesterday on Axom.net, he spoke about, you know, this legacy signing thing whereby the recruitment team might be out kind of down the road with a signing and then a manager comes in. Um, and I think the point Kevin made was uh, the manager still has a final say on it. You know, unless the, the, the contract signed, we could be right down the line. We could have been talking about fees and all that, but the manager still has an opportunity to say, actually, I don't fancy that player. Um, I'm pretty sure when you look at the makeup of the move, City Group team, and Sports to Coglu, Australia, yeah, absolutely. It's got Angie's uh, fingerprints all over it. Uh, but yes, where are you looking forward to playing under Ange? Uh, yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure you get marched out. Jerry, uh, remi- remind me to put you on, on the list for the next press conference. I like that. Oh, mate, I would love to go, but don't worry, you can vet me and all that. And <laughs> put one of those buzz collars on me if I say something stupid, just electric shock me. No, I, listen, I think the uh, it was one of these things, it was introduced uh, in that very small window of opportunity when um, Don Mackay came into Celtic as a CEO and he wanted uh, very much to integrate fan media into, you know, Celtic. And I think what he probably saw was that, you know, uh, and I'm not saying any of us are, are enemies, but keep these guys close to you because we might need their help at some point. Uh, I think that was maybe his thinking. They've probably looked at the pandemic and thought, you know what, if all the fan media outlets are all saying Celtic are doing something wrong, that can be quite a powerful message. Maybe we should get them tighter. Uh, and, and, you know, if that was the reason initially, fair play. But I think that every single one of us, um, certainly Axon, I can speak for Axon, we still go about our business the same way. Uh, we're not going to follow a narrative uh, because we think, oh, we might not get into the next fan media press conference. <laughs> you know, we've got to have an honest conversation about Celtic. And if we disagree with what they're doing, like the new home top, we're going to have to say it, Jerry. I mean, I, I'm sorry. It's rotten. I don't like it. I'm I'm team you on this one, mate. What? I just don't. They changed too much. I could. Uh, I agree with you yesterday. I could have dealt with the stained glass window, but they've made that up, haven't they? <laughs> That's the stained glass. So I could have done that, but not just. It's got to be bold stripe uh, hoops, stripes, bold hoops. I'm not having any of that. Well, I think after a few pints it'll probably even itself out. But You're right, but that might be the thinking behind it. But I was saying yesterday to JP, everything, like the kind of class, the modern classics that I talk about, like the Liverpool away, uh, green and white and, and the Newcastle jerseys, the Adidas ones, back in the day, they were all very, like, finite. It was like, right, clean, sharp designs. And now all the designs I'm seeing are, are things that are pretty wavy and, and blended and patterned and all this. So, yeah, it's it's a, I guess it's a sign of the times. Um, right. But what I would say to anybody making the jerseys for Celtic is there's more to this club than that stained glass window, as much as I love it. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the actual, it's the big 
part of the stadium that was on the sleeves on the third kit last year. I mean, Celtic football club's got a lot to our history without you having to look at the camber of the, the, the metal on the stands. Come on. There's a lot and more see, that could be done. See the long sleeve with the... With the, see when Callum McGregor was wearing that long sleeve home top, it looked like he'd been run over by a couple of bikes. It's terrible. It's, it's absolutely horrendous. But hey, if we win the Champions League on it, would it be the best talk we've ever had? <laughs> exactly. I know. This is the thing. Um, it was Tom Boyd that says to me there was a cup finals where we had to wear our away kit against uh, Hibs, I think it was, maybe Kelly. Uh, and, you know, you get the hoops on for the photos. But as you say, when you're looking back, if it's a European victory or something like that, That'll all just pale into insignificance. Yeah. It's Celtic um, at the end of the day, and people are going to tell me to shut up about this jersey. I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm not having it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what you've had my mind racing about the past couple of days? You meant you mentioned something in the group chat, and I was like, why isn't it the mascot situation? Oh. Why isn't Hoopy a lion? I've never. I know. I've, I know. When you said that, I was like, hi, we need to be kind of. Is it time to put Hoopy down? <laughs> 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 thing is, we could probably do it in a funny way on the socials I... and all that kind of stuff. I had a really interesting experience in here one night in the studio, right? We used to help the boys out at Clyde. Um, they'd done their official podcast out of the studio for a wee while, actually, a couple of years, maybe a year and a half. And uh, one of the boys, good lad, Paul, he was also the, the mascot. He was the guy in the Clyde suit, right? He used to do it. But the thing is, Jerry, this this is a comedy sketch somewhere along the line because she was telling me about the fact that there's a WhatsApp group for all the mascots in Scottish football and everything. No, there I'm is. like, what, do, what does the mascot group talk about on a Friday night? What's the controversy amongst the mascots in Scottish football? Seriously. A hot, a hot one in the day trip, say. <laughs> but then all the politics start coming into it, you know. And then I've got a vision of the two mascots at a game with the, the hats off. They're having a smoke, you know, moaning about some kind of mascot politics. But... The hoopy hound for me, as much as the kids maybe a lot, and my bairn's got the, you know, the toys and all that. It's got to be a lion. It's got to be a Lisbon lion, isn't it? Mate, I just don't. I it blew my mind the other day. But here, do you think you could make this happen? Do you think you could? Like, I'm obviously I'm a performer. Do you think I could be the Celtic mascot for one day? I'm sure you could. Could we I'm make sure that happen? Aye, because you know I don't think it, they're that precious about it. There's probably been a few people in that outfit that would surprise you. You've been in it, haven't you? Last minute. No, no, no. I have not. Don't start that rumour. That will spread. Um, listen, it's ladies sorrow. and gentlemen. We've got sorrow in it. That's how we've been utilised. <laughs> yeah, Connor Hazard for the last 18 months has been the mascot. Um, but listen, listen. thank you all for getting involved. What do you think about the Celtic mascot uh, situation? We're in pre-season. Is this the level of our conversation? Yes, I'm sorry it is until we <laughs> sign another player. Marco Tilio is going to be, um, obviously, at the press conference at 4.30. What would you like to ask him? Let us know in the comments section. We've still got time to send the questions over to Laura. Um, and anything else that is uh, burning uh, a hole in your head in relation to Celtic, let us know all about it. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And thank you, Jerry Taylor, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Thanks, mate.
Social Podcast Network.